But the strategy that I help people create is based on the fact that you can work less, earn more, and crucially, have more fun. And I don't think there are oh. many people in business, obviously you are, but most people are very kind of po-faced about strategy and business and got to do a business plan, you've got to do, no, just enjoy yourself. Too legitimate to quit, instantly actionable small business strategies with a pop culture spin. I am your host, Annie P. Ruggles, and my guest today is the utterly fantastic Liz Scully. Liz Scully spent 20 years working on big Hollywood films. And when I mean big, she's won an Emmy and her work is multi Oscar nominated. Now she's a business strategist and a mastermind coach and knows business can be ridiculously fun as well as highly effective. She's Irish, nomadic, and just as confused as everyone else as to why she has an English accent. Liz Scully, you have lived all over the world. You have been involved in literally every industry imaginable. You have an Emmy. Like, your bio doesn't even do justice for the weird-ass life that you have had of all of your accomplishments, Liz Scully. So I am freaking thrilled to ask your weird and wonderful brain the question, the question, of course, being, what do small business owners need to focus on this week? Not just this week, every week. It's got to be sales. It always has to be sales. If you don't make enough sales, you've got a really expensive hobby. And no one likes to hear it. But if you look at your bottom line and think, why don't I have more money? It'll be because you're not doing enough sales calls. Oh, yeah, 100%. If you're not making enough money in your business, that's on you. And I don't say that with judgment. There have been tons of times where I didn't make enough money in my business. But the whole reason I wound up teaching sales in the first place was because I thought I was doing everything right. And I was flat broke. And I didn't even notice it until I was so exhausted and looking at my clients and my clients were broke. And I was like, how is that freaking genius broke? And then I was like, oh, that freaking genius is modeling this freaking idiot. Ah, crap. I got to learn to love sales. And then I wound up teaching it. But I think you're totally right. Sales is the fuel. It's, it's got to be. It's got to be. And um, because also there's that big switch that flips in your head when you realize sales isn't something you do to someone else. Mm-hmm. It is that you are out there helping people. And when you have something that you know they need, in my case, that's masterminds. I think everybody should have a mastermind. You kind of, you're pretty much out in the street just forcing them on people. You, you seem nice. <laughs> have you got a mastermind? You, what about you? You're lovely. You should have a mastermind. <laughs> And it stops being sales. It stops being harassment. It's true, but there comes a point where you just—it would be—it would be rude not to tell people about the thing you've got, and that's sales. And, and right, sales not carnival barkers. <laughs> you, you need a mastermind. You run a like, bus stop over here. Oprah giving out cars. You get a car. You get a car. But instead, it's like the pushy version. It's like you're getting a mastermind, and you're getting a mastermind. Or the realistic version of that, which is like you friend someone on social media, and exactly three seconds later. They're like, hey, best friend, thanks so much for accepting. Here's my long form sales page. When can I expect you to become a client? I'm like, never, never is when you can expect me to become a client. You've done no due diligence. And that's not really selling because to your point, selling is serving. And am I being served by a commercial in my Facebook messenger? No. (laughs) Exactly. Well, particularly when they're so badly targeted that they're, we're here to help you with your coding needs. I I, I don't have any. Thank you very much. We're here to help you with your PPE needs. Uh, I got one that said the non and it actually said like two founder non sleazy sales academy. Do you need an elite sales force of closers? And I was like, excuse me, like 
You just typed, dear founder, non-sleazy sales academy. And then you told me immediately that there's sharks and closers. Like, did you, did you not, let alone did you not do your research? Did you not look up at what you just <laughs> typed? Like, eh, 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 did you not do the research of paying attention to what you already wrote? But like, I think that behavior and and the way that it's all been so lecherous and nasty, I think that's, I, I call those different forms of sales baggage. I think that really fosters this idea of if I'm a heart-centered, people-loving business, then I just have to wait and love them until they choose to pay me. Do you see this, Liz? Tell me more yes. about how you see your loving, bleeding heart matriarchs deal with this. So, so my fabulous clients are obviously very similar to yours. They're heart-centered. They've got a fantastic gift. They really want to help people. And frankly, till I slap it out of them in the nicest possible, care, most caring and loving way, they are at the <laughs> I can't charge that. In fact, I have, I have little magnets and stickers that just say, charge more and make oh more God. calls. Oh, I love you. Almost nobody at the beginning of their business, by which I mean in the first five years, is charging what they're worth. No. Because particularly if they're women, I might add. Whereas yeah. the, um, the the men that come to work with me, I hate to be gendered about this, but when guys come to work with me, they'll come and say, um, I, they've had a successful career, they've done really well, maybe they'd like to start a mastermind. And they're like, I don't want to be greedy, Liz. But that's great. I just want to make, you know, 350000 a year, just something little. Yeah, just a little bit. Only the, the, the people that were identifying as women were coming to me with that problem. No, no, a no. little 350. Yeah, I mean, that, I could get A little get 350 by next Tuesday also. Like it, the timeline yeah. is so accelerated. Whereas, you know, and you're totally right. It's not always on gender lines, but often it is. And, and so it's so interesting when that, you know, same, same CB. Same exactly. talent, same drive, and and a woman or a especially a woman of color or a non-binary person, a queer person, whatever it may be, they come and they go, well, everyone is telling me I should be making 350000 but I guess I'm doing this wrong. So do you think maybe with hard work I could get to 3000 a month? And it's like, oh, honey, oh, honey, yes, oh, honey, of course, but for that mindset then you say okay well you could also be making more you could be making six thousand a month and then those same people will go well i don't want to be greedy and it's like dude the dude before you said i don't want to be greedy i want to shoot myself into the sun like come on exactly and it, it's it's the way we're socialized it's mm -hmm. it's society gives it gives it that you know you're nurturing and you're caring and you're looking after people then you can't charge that's a sort of mothering role that's not big bucks um where obviously it's not quite that explicit but surely it's underwritten there whereas with guys it's like i have a legacy it is worth a lot i want to share that with people and they're both really valid i just wish that the people that were like maybe i could make 100k a year yeah yeah maybe and also interestingly um, as you can probably tell from my accent, I am European. Um, 100,000 US is 76,000 European um, right. euro, right? It just, it's such a weird amount to want to make once you start yes. translating it into other currencies. Yes, it's almost the US to Canada ratio now for US dollars to Canadian dollars. It's like euro to US is is almost that same thing. So it's like 70K for y'all, just like 100K US is about 80K Canadian. Um, exactly. or, or no, sorry, reverse that. Yeah. And, and who's going to come and go, you know what I really want? I'd like to top 77. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you just choose some other random number. Go on. We right. can do it. Oh, my God. Don't even get me started on random number pricing, too. Like, there was a time for the nines and the sevens. There was a time for the nines and the sevens. Now I'm seeing eights and sixes and four. I'm like, y'all, just give me a flat number. Because to your point, by the time you add in tax and everything else, exchange rates, PayPal fees, all the other stuff, I got to pay my host, whatever. I'm not getting a round number out of these people. 
So I may as well charge them math they understand. A hundred you can figure out. Or if you know that you're working in international currency, you can still do the math on a hundred and be like, oh, that's probably about 120 bucks. Okay. Because that's the other thing is you're, is you're thinking of it as, oh, that's about 5K. That's about, like you're, you're thinking in round numbers already. Right. A hundred percent. So you, as you mentioned, and, and I know in more detail, you have lived all over the world all over the world and and if the pandemic had not come to destroy us you would still be living all over the world currently in one of my favorite cities in the world london my question for you is i feel a lot most of my clients are australians canadians and americans and as such i have like the Her Majesty's Empire Light, right? (laughs) I have your penal colony. I have all the nice ones. And then I have us wacky Americans. But I'm curious, having spent real time and had real roots and real experiences in places like Istanbul and Nigeria, is sales avoidance an international concept? Or are there places where you've been where service and selling or even small business ownership or creating a family legacy is viewed very differently? Oh, that's a great question. So I, my, my tweens were in Pakistan, and then the last place I had a permanent home, because I've been a nomad for about a decade, um, pre-pandemic, of course. Right. But, um, I lived in India for four or five years, and there it is um, almost a requirement to have a little side gig of some sort. So there's you, there's the family, the wife, the kids. But if you can also, as well as your job, just improve everybody's lot by running a little something, what we would call a side hustle. And um, but saying that, although everyone's trying to do a little a little business on the side, which sounds very dodgy, that's not what I mean. But they, <laughs> very entrepreneurial. But that said, I do think squeamishness about sales that is almost worldwide because we've all been. We've all been sold that don't be a used car salesman about it. Right. Right. Well, and my grandpa, who was a used car salesman, I think he, one of the ways in addition to just being a stellar dude, I think one of the ways he bucked the trend of being a used car salesman is he's German. So he doesn't have enough like sleaze capacity because (laughs) that would require like require too much caring and emotion. And I don't say that in a mean way, Germans. I mean, like, he doesn't want to trouble himself. He'd rather just be kind to you until you provoke him. I'm very, very You know polite. what I mean? Germans are super polite. I mean, the well. hospitality in Germans is like more than anything I've experienced in my limited travels around the world. It's insane, right? But it's it's my grandpa would look at the other as like nonsense or pretext. Like, why are you pretending instead of just talking. And I think that kind of got him out of that idea of like, you, it's like we were talking about before. You there, do you need a mastermind? Like, we don't we don't want that. That's oily and greasy and gross. But I feel like my grandpa was A, greatest generation, B, war hero, and C, super German immigrant. So he came over here and was just like, I shall now be frank with everyone. And it was awesome and it worked, right? Because it, it didn't have any bullshit attached well, exactly. to it. Well, exactly. And also... There's no reason why I'm going to set you up with a really great car that matches your budget, that is really lovely mm-hmm. and, and is absolutely technically superb, is really going to help you. Why wouldn't that be a service thing? We have been sold this rooked, awful yeah. deal of yeah. we're going to take you in the back room and tell you a bunch of lies. Right. I mean, it's like you lived in New York City. Like there's an element of um, last time I was in New York with a really great friend of mine, um, who was living in Queens, we went down to Chinatown because I want knockoffs. And they literally (laughs) were like looking out around the street, like walking us through the alley, like all these things. And I think that this was a bunch of performative fluff. Like, I don't think it's really that bad because I don't think the majority of these vendors, A, care about the cops being like stop that and b i think they've probably gotten the same warning about 875 times because everybody (laughs) knows they're selling knockoff bags when they're like looking for people on the street but they literally were like okay we will let you in one at a time and what they would do is they would take a butter knife and like stab it in this hole in the door and like pry it open 
And then at random, they'd be like, you and him, come here. And they'd like start a timer. And I'm like, this is absurd, y'all. Like, just give me my knockoff Michael Kors. You can stamp it right in front of me. I don't care. But it's it's funny because like that's the whole neighborhood is like, we got to give an experience of illegality. Like people need to feel like they have broken the law when they do this. And I'm like, that's, that is a really weird flex and choice, but it totally works because I left it all day. I was like telling everyone, I called my mom. I'm like, they open the door with a butter knife. And like all of my New York friends were like, yes, you Midwestern idiot. Of course they did. Like, what else what did they, they do? <laughs> Perfect scarcity. <laughs> Perfect scarcity. You, you, get in there. But, but that, that idea, that specialness, like they were delivering an experience that I would repeat. Yes. So it's got morality, it was... it's got experience, it's got right. weakness, scarcity. It's and that's what I think getting a car from my grandpa was like in a totally bizarre and different way. And when he died, people came to his funeral that he had sold cars to like 30 years before. And they were like, Fred Keller was the nicest, most upstanding, honest, generous dude. But he would do exactly that. He'd be like, you're a mother of four. Your husband just died. Stuff is tough. I'm not going to sell you a hot rod, I'm going to sell you a station wagon and I'm going to get you good financing on it. Like, you know, I'm going to fix the actual needs. So even though my my New York example were ridiculous and notwithstanding, <laughs> why is it so hard for us sometimes to not feel like we need to offer the most performative experience and instead get to the heart of the need which in your aspect is that need for social connection. How do we hone in on offering what matters? And again, I think it comes down to that difference of, um, for me anyway, certainly for my clients, because sales feels like you're sitting either side of a desk. It's got that kind of confrontational side. So for me, I, ch I teach people to come round the desk. So we're sitting together and we are seeing if their problem and my solution match. So there's no kind of, you know, I'm going to try and get this over on you. So we're sitting together looking at the problem. And I do regularly, I get on a, a I, don't, I don't even do sales calls anymore. I just sort of enthuse at people enough till eventually they go, all right, and I do need it. But at that point, I regularly say to people, you know, this, this program isn't for you. I don't think you're quite ready. You know, you're, you're not a fit for the services I need. Um, I do. And, and what you need and what I do don't, don't quite match. Um, but most of the time, as with, as I'm sure, I'm sure how exactly how you teach people, by the time they speak to me, they've already self-selected to be the right kind of person. There, there was enough information that pulls them into the world. Yeah, not that kind of out flyering people randomly. When you're talking to people, if if what they're doing matches what I need I can help them with which to be honest is a pretty broad stretch of things as you say if they happen to need a mastermind I can help them with that but you also got a mastermind exactly <laughs> um but also my 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 main thing I'm a business strategist that is the core of what I do um I only work with people in masterminds because they they are so effective and then I teach people how to run masterminds but the strategy that I help people create is based on the fact that you can work less, earn more, and crucially, have more fun. And I don't think there are oh. many people in business, obviously you are, but most people are very kind of po-faced about strategy and business and got to do a business plan. You've got to do, no, just enjoy yourself. I love that you brought up fun because this is, this is a product of me wanting to have fun. This very show. Right. Excellent. And and I've talked about it on the show itself about like, well, it's my actual authentic voice or it's allowing me to be vulnerable or blah, 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 blah. All of those things are totally true and valid. But at the end of the day, I'm doing this podcast, this wacky, weird, wonderful <laughs> podcast for networking and fun. Exactly. Yes. Because we get to be both like you and I in the pre-chat were like, do we get to be friends or are we just going to stalk each other? Like, we get to be friends now, Liz. Exactly. We're declaring our friendship in front of the whole world. Like, finally. Oh. She finally accepts my friendship <laughs> with this podcast, <laughs> Ivy Friend. 
But, you know, I think that's another form of fit, right? That's another form of like, if I'm showing up in full me and I'm having fun and you're showing up full you and you're having fun, then obviously we're going to be able to go, she's my kind of person. She's got my kind of fun going on. I should go over there. Or you're going to go, that's what she thinks is fun. That lady is weird. (laughs) I'm going over here. And both of those things are totally fine because I'm getting a better glimpse of you than if you were like, hello, my name is Liz Scully. When I was 21, I worked on the International Space Station. You'd be like, (laughs) Cool, nerd. Got it. Um, <laughs> That's true. I did. I didn't have a work permit either. Shh, tell no one. Shh. Oh, God, they're going to come after you now. Woo! Here they come. Here they come. All the way from NASA. All the way over. Here they come. Like Cape Canaveral, they have left. They are flying to London. No, it's not happening. Um, You know, self-selection is also so important. I always try to say like the very first thing a website needs to do is talk about them before it talks about you. And that includes on your about page, right? And one of the things I really love about your about page is it handles that. Your about page, and I said, and I mean, you have the most elaborate, extreme, (laughs) industry-spanning, impressive as fuck bio, and I love it. But right at the very top, before you get into any of that, it says, who is Liz Scully and why should I trust her? Right off the freaking <laughs> bat, you say, why should I, meaning the prospect, the reader, trust this person? And I think that is so key because if I go to your website and I don't see anything about me, I'm going to go look for a strategist that does have something about me, right? So... I I love that you brought up that idea of self-selection. What are some of the ways, especially when we're building communities, that we can aid that process along, that people can see this is a home for me or it isn't? Well, one of of the most obvious ways, and this is is with my branding hat on, um, the... One of the easiest ways is have pictures of people that look like your community. So if you you happen to work with people that are all um, a particular color, a particular gender or a particular style, then have those the images of those people. Now, I totally do not do this. I should, should add, if anyone rocks up at my website, they will see ludicrous pictures of ni- 1940s film stars. Hey! Actually, Sub 1940s film stars, actually, because they're all cheap knockoff pictures, which makes them more beautiful, I have to say. But that's because I'm saying to my people, if you're the kind of person who likes this sort of pinup stuff, something a bit weird, a bit not even weird, just just damn right odd. Um, and my background is in film. So if you look at that and think this is fabulous, then you're likely to be my kind of person. I mean, like this, it's a little extreme. I am going to tone down my homepage a bit because at the moment it's three women sat on a bomb. Well, you know, like a 1940s bomb. It's all just kind of it's vaguely like a like a mastermind. It's vaguely phallic. It's it's okay. yes. But you know, it's like they are a mastermind. They are they are sitting together with a common goal. Yes, with a trajectory that they're moving towards. <laughs> but also, I know I'm stretching, but I really am reaching. But the, but the point being that if you look at all of that and think this woman's frivolous, they are obviously correct, but I wouldn't be the right person for them. Same as um, we were talking about swearing before, before the podcast started. On my sales pages, I actually say, who isn't this for? As usual, it's all the kind of, if you don't like groups, then group work is a few of you. You know, it's going to be right. financially difficult. But one of them is if you don't like swearing, I grew up in Dublin. I am not the person for you. I swear like a particularly well-educated sailor. No, 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 no. Nope. And you can swear in how many languages? (laughs) Now you're shaming me. Just the one, but consistently enthusiastic. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I did once send out a newsletter that had the term kick-ass in it. And somebody unsubscribed saying, I don't have to stand for this kind of language. I'm like, Oh, A, I didn't know kick-ass was language. And B, if you actually ever met me, my favorite words are so far away from kick-ass. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? Mm-hmm. I mean, my my first collaborative book was banned by the Christian Bloggers Association of America. Congratulations. Thank you, because it had the words hell and damn in it. 
no. Mm -hmm. And I got like a howler that was like, we will never, we will never promote this book. And I was like, I didn't ask you to. (laughs) I don't know how you got it in the first place. But thank you for finding it, buying it, reading it, and then telling me that you won't promote. And they literally were like, following citations of the word damn, page 364. I'm like, really? You have time for this, y'all? Okay. Exactly. Who has time? Yeah. Right. But like, I, it would be different if I had submitted, but I didn't. And I think that's it too. It's like, we're all so hungry to find our home that it's almost easier to just be like, that's not it, and that's not it, and that's not it, and that's okay, but you got to eventually focus on what you want. So exactly, exactly. I would be remiss. Need... <laughs> oh, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, if you, and if what you happen to need is three pinup stars sitting on a 1940s bomb, yep. I can help. That, I mean, your brand and my brand look like they would be best friends. So already this Right. Like I have like the pulpy newspaper. It will if you picked up my brand, it would run all over your fingers. Fifty. <laughs> so, yeah. So our brands are bud. OK, so I would be totally remiss if I did not have the queen of masterminds talk about why masterminds are so incredibly powerful and in your opinion, superior to other group formats. Before I do that, perhaps I should actually just quickly mention well, describe what a mastermind is, just in case anyone's sitting there going, do you see yes, it please. But I have no, no I idea what this is. I would love a good definition. I would love a good definition. So um, masterminds, or the, certainly the sort I, I teach, are small groups that meet regularly, set a goal, and the next time you meet, you have achieved the goal. Now, that doesn't sound very complicated, but that is vital because that light peer pressure of nobody wants to be the person who turns up and goes, yeah, you know, all those goals just didn't do them. So it, yeah. that it has accountability, but it's also one of the very few places where you can go to think because let's face it, your, your family is probably sick to death of your business. Your friends certainly are. And um, if you've got a business partner, you need somewhere to talk about your business partner sometimes. Amen. Hallelujah. And you need somewhere to celebrate your wins um, the wins that aren't wins to anybody else. Your first landing page, woohoo! <laughs> the sales yeah. figures that are 0.1% up. All yeah, that stuff. Your kid that... is like, Mom, Tina's <laughs> mom sold three cars yesterday. And you're like, Well, mommy's landing page got 15 views. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. My CTA's up. <laughs> oh, that's lovely, dear. <laughs> My unsubscribes are soaring. Go me. <laughs> Exactly. So masterminds, small groups, but then one of the keys is they also have longevity so that there there really aren't many places where you can talk about stuff, but also have the same people for a long time because coaching tends to be for three months, six months. Whereas um, although my masterminds are for for specific times, maybe three months, six months, a year, but people stay in the groups for year on year on year. People have been regularly in my masterminds for five to seven years because it works because they get results yeah because they're showing up with their stuff done and they don't have to apologize for having a half-cooked idea they don't have to apologize for having a mindset flare right I think one of the things I love about my calls and I do not run a formal mastermind and I told you you could yell at me about that (laughs) um but one of the things I love on on my call is that they feel safe and so like oh, there are tears on my calls because people know that they're safe. And I think I think that's, that that is absolutely a sign that you've curated well, that you've built a good community, that people do feel safe to say that stuff. Because let's face it, running a business is hard. And there's all that brokerner, build a, you know, build a business in a weekend, write a book <laughs> in your afternoon, you can build a funnel in a, you know, your lunchtime. No, that's all bollocks. And what actually, even if you have a fantastic plan, you've got that great strategy session done, you've then got, oh, now I need to do it. There's still just months and months and months of doing it. And it can be the most elegiac, wonderful thing in the world, but it can also be just appalling for long, or not even just appalling, just a bit dull. Oh, well, Mm -hmm. here I am. Waiting for my sales uptick. Keep doing the calls. Woohoo! Any minute. So a good mastermind um, can not only support your clients, it's easy for you to do. 
because once you've learned the structure, once you know how to run them, then there's no prep, there's no homework. And frankly, as long as you're dressed and facing the right way on the camera of 30 seconds before the call starts, you are golden. Dressed from the waist up, at least. Yeah, obviously, at least from the clavicles, actually, to be honest. You don't even need to go for the whole waist. Oh, my (laughs) God. I saw this, so total side note, I saw this hilarious video on LinkedIn that somebody shared of this guy in a suit interviewing. And at one point he needs to like get up because his kids are being loud and he stands up and he's wearing shorts, but like <laughs> suit jacket and everything. And he goes to close it. And the guy he's interviewing with goes, Hey, nice shorts. And this guy gets like mortified. And he's like, no, 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 no. It's fine. So the guy who he's interviewing with, who's also wearing like a suit and tie stands up and he's wearing like bright blue swim trunks. And he's like, <laughs> Right, but like this poor guy looked like mortified, like he's done this most like horrible thing, and the other guy stands up, he's got even worse shorts on, and I'm like, yes, relatable content, relatable content. But I think that's the other thing is like your mastermind is somewhere you can show up warts and all. Oh, completely, completely, and um, anyone can run them if you if you actually let me recite that as long as you like people. I was like, as long as you like people, like humans. I did speak to someone recently who was like, I don't like groups. Oh, okay, not for you. But if you help your clients make decisions, if you help people choose options, you don't have to be a coach, although it's great for coaches. But if you help people change, change things, have um, think through processes, then you can run a mastermind. And say, I don't know, say you've written a book and um, you talk, or you do speeches, you do some some training around that. Then a mastermind is a lovely add-on to that and depending on what level you're at it is four people six people in one group but you can add that up so that you're running three or four groups at a time but you can start with just one group of four people say they pay you five grand for six months that is a really nice handy helpful 20k with no homework, mm-hmm. no, and you, you can run it on whatever theme you want. You can run it on being healthier, losing weight, strategizing, following through on the strategy you've already done. You can do it on anything. And if, you, if you've got a book or training already, run it on that. So easy. Oh, I love this. I, I'm not doing any of this, and I need to do all no, of No, you should be, right? You I know. know. You I know it wasn't that many episodes ago that someone was like, that Elizabeth Roos was like, you should focus on reels. And I was like, God, do I do any of the homework on my own show? (laughs) (laughs) No, but I, I think, you know, to be entirely honest, and I'd love your thoughts on this before Mm -hmm. we transition, if I can use my podcast as free coaching for myself. Of course. I don't know how to stop teaching. Mm, okay. And so like my mastermind attempts in the past, and I have attempted in the past, just turn into more Q&A calls. I don't, I already have Q&A calls. How do I stop teaching? So the aim of a mastermind is to support people for change. Training gives them new information. So if you, if you genuinely can't stop, just divide the um, the training sessions from the mastermind sessions. So say you were going to teach people how to sell on the phone and you might have a training session, which is Q&A. And in a Q&A, we're leaning forwards. You've got the information. We're writing it down. Our questions are going to be about how and what exactly should I do and, and what's next. They're very technical questions. But in the mastermind session, the things that come up are the emotional questions. Am I the right person to do this? Do I have the chutzpah to do this? Or all the, all the emotional issues around sales, which, as we said, it's like very cheap psychotherapy doing sales. Suddenly, every <laughs> doubt you've ever had will <laughs> rise to the surface. <laughs> it's a tough thing. And, and a mastermind is the way to go with that. And, and the simplest way to do that, so if, if you genuinely can't stop teaching, do um, – Teaching, mastermind, teaching, mastermind, teaching. Like so, so every other sesh. Um, you speak last on a mastermind. Your your clients, when they're in the hot seat, they'll they'll ask a question. What about my sales script? Or you know, I'm thinking of hiring someone. Ooh, whatever it is, everyone else, you guide them through speaking. What do you think for the person in the hot seat? Yeah, let's call him Dave. What do you think Dave needs? Um, and then you speak last, which <laughs> which stops several problems. First of all, if you speak first. 
there tends to be this, oh, I think what Annie thinks. Oh, that was a really good answer. So you've sort of sucked all the oxygen out of the question. Because if you speak last, and this is great if you're brand new to coaching, um, if you speak last, if you genuinely have nothing to say, which of course is not true, but if you <laughs> genuinely can't think of anything to say, you can say, well, like, what a great group. You've all said amazing things. Tanisha said something amazing. Look at Gupta there, really knocked it out of the park. And with that session, they'll think, well, you know, she's done a really great job. She's curated this wonderful group. And you have effectively done nothing other than show up. That sounds like a really great mastermind, too, or like a law firm. Like, we are the law firm of Gupta, Tanisha, and Dave. Um, <laughs> that sounds like a great time. Money. <laughs> well, like, here you go. Here you go. Um, I love that. And I, I, I love the idea of talking last for that exact reason, because sometimes you just want to be like, dang, that's good. And I feel like podcasting has made me particularly prepared for that kind of abdication of answering because I'll ask someone a question and I'll be like, can't add to that? Perfect soundbite. (laughs) Woo! Good job. All right, Tanisha. Wow. All right. Next question. So I feel like now that I've been, you know, sort of professionally listening for over a year, I might be better at just sitting there and going, yeah, these people are smart. Drink my coffee and then go. Because that's the other thing is people are smart. And some of the absolute best coaching I've ever heard comes from non-professional coaches within a mastermind hallelujah because to your previous point they're in the same shit like exactly they understand they have been there day in day out my own freaking husband doesn't have a full understanding of what i do and we live together and he (laughs) works from home before the pandemic like he was uploading some videos to youtube for me the other day because he had some extra time and he said to me and I didn't know if I wanted to like smooch him or smack him. He goes, gosh, it's really occurring to me how much work you actually do. And I'm like, <laughs> you're basing that on uploading like 10 videos to my YouTube? Not that I'm not ungrateful, but that is the work that you think is taking up all of my time? Hello? And then meanwhile, if you went to my very best friends who love me, adore me, and support me, and you're like, what does Annie do? They'd be like, yells? I, uh, I, I don't know. One of my friends who I quite often stay with in um, Colorado, she says, you do a lot of launching. I'm like, excellent. She understands what I do. She has no idea. It's just me and my laptop in the corner of her sofa is me launching. You're always doing it. Yeah, Yeah, right now. Yeah, right now I'm going to go to the toilet, eat a sandwich, launch something, have a lunch, then have a lunch, then take a nap, then launch something else. Oh, my God. All right. Well, okay. So I was so excited because you and I had this fun little like email dance of like, did I send you the form? Did you send me the form? Did we figure this out? Um, But I was like, oh, I cannot wait to see what pop culture topic you pick because you have this vast, vast experience and decorated experience in animation and cinematography and all of these things. And yet, never to be predictable, my beloved, you have chosen today to tell us about some pencils. So we are <laughs> not going into the world of cinema at all. Instead, we are taking a hard curve. What the hell do masterminds or communities or service have to do with some pencils? They're not just some pencils, Annie. They're Blackwing pencils. Now, I realize that means nothing to you, but if anyone's listening who, who is a Blackwing lover, they are clutching them to their heart, weeping gently at the mere thought of them. Because a black wing pencil is, it is the, it's the Ferrari of the, of the pencil world. The, um, <laughs> Leonard Bernstein wrote West Side Story with a black wing pencil. I presume he had more than one, I assume. Um, the Seven Dwarfs, the guy who animated the Seven Dwarfs was buried holding a Blackwing pencil. Okay, that's hardcore. Oh, yeah, completely. Like, if I think um, about like, the things that I've told my husband to bury with me, that is love. Oh, that, oh truly. And they, they're, they're, a fa- they're a $3 pencil. They're a fancy pencil. Um, and they are, they are a very nice pencil. They're made of American incense, cedar. They are, so they're, they're you know, beautiful to, to sharpen. They're lovely to use. They've got a fancy um, eraser that, that has a sort of little... For rule on it, so you can, which is a little piece of 
metal to allow you to edge the eraser up. And all of that's good. And all of that would be a nice pencil, but it, would, it is not why I'm here today to talk to you about Blackwings. Because um, sometime in, oh, I think it was the 70s, the thing that made that fancy eraser holder, the ferrule, the machine that made that, broke. And so because this was their premium top-of-the-range pencil, it wasn't their average office pencil. They didn't replace the ferrule maker. And eventually, they kind of just phased out the Blackwing pencil. And, and I'm not saying it's directly linked, but quite patently it is, the company, Blackwing, then went out of business. Well, they killed their golden baby. like <laughs> Exactly. They, they killed the golden pencil. And within a very short time, people started trading in the boxes of Blackwing pencils. <laughs> I'm kidding not yeah, oh no, completely. Um, and they, in Disney, um, people would have sort of personal caches of Blackwing pencils. And people, there, were, there was there was rumours of fisticuffs about the whole thing. I wouldn't be surprised. I've seen exactly. people fight over less on Black Friday. <laughs> well, yes, indeed. But um, by the time eBay rolls round, boxes of 12 Blackwing pencils are going for $600 on eBay. Amazing. Exactly. I mean, these are great pencils. That's an original pencil. And the thing that I find amazing, so A, that's lovely, fascinating, a, a product done well. But what happens next is astounding. So you can't get Blackwing pencils. There is a community of pencil lovers who are fanatically like, trying to find more. And then they go to <laughs> they then go to the opposition, to the only pencil company still rolling <laughs> that could do something similar. So it's this is like Coca-Cola fans going to Pepsi and saying, they said this, can you make us a black wing pencil? And Palomino, the company they went to, said yes. So Pepsi, by this point, is now making Coca-Cola. <laughs> believable. And the community goes nuts for this. So the Blackwings that when you go into an art, art shop now and you see them, they are not original Blackwing Blackwings. They are Palomino Blackwings. And they're still made with Japanese, uh, with Chinese, <laughs> excuse me. They're still made by uh, using American incense cedar. But they're now made by a Japanese company and they're amazing. And the, the way that they have managed that transition is really good. But they've also got this incredible marketing where they, they have limited edition pencils that are only, well, when they're gone, they're gone. And people are even more, so you've got fanatical fans who get their product back and now can buy limited edition things. This is like everything in Comic Con. Oh my God. But in a pencil. That's amazing, especially because the pencil itself is a limited resource. If you use it, it goes away. Exactly. So, so your real, your proper Blackwing fans will buy two boxes of their limited edition stuff, one to keep. And one to use. Oh, so there's the display pencils. And exactly. use see, but that's if you, if, magic. Exactly. And um the Blackwing Company, when uh, sorry, the Palomino Company, when they send out the subscription for the Blackwing pencils, they send one for you to keep that comes in a test tube with a special label and a seal on it. Oh, because they know they're fine. Look at that. And think of it this way: like, how many of us don't treat ourselves like $3 pencils that become our most cherished thing? Right. Like exactly. how incredible to take yourself so seriously in such a beautiful and fun way to be <laughs> like, and I will now deliver this pencil in a test tube with a scroll in it. Like awesome. Good for you. Archive pencil. But also how wonderful to have a group of fans that love your work so much that they are clamoring for more, that a brand that is so well known that they will do anything to get more wouldn't wouldn't we all like a brand that was that key that was the, a community that wanted what you did so much they are going to storm a different company and demand it if you can't deliver it for them also the brass balls on those people 
to like <laughs> storm into Palomino and be like, we demand your competition. I'm going to do that today. I'm going to go into a McDonald's and be like, I need a Dave's original. And they'll be like, a what? And they'll be like, yes. And also a Whopper now. Like, what? But how, how lovely. And also, I feel like that's a huge lesson. Oh, God. And now I realize what I'm about to say as I say it. Oh, shit. There's got to be some lesson there about listening to your fans and and what they need. Because imagine if Palomino had said no. Like, imagine the millions of dollars in fanfare and love and devotion that they inherited by saying yes. Exactly. And it's just, it's genius. Everything about it is genius. It's, if you only study one brand, I have to say Blackwing is a pretty strong contender. My clients want a damn mastermind. Oh, no, I got to listen to Give them one. Give them one. Oh, I will. Oh, my God. Liz, I am so, so glad that I am now friends with someone who gets choked up about pencils. Like, (laughs) bless your beautiful brain, Liz Scully. I'm so glad you're in my world. All right. So I got two more questions for you before I release you back to your gorgeous London evening. You are going, you have taken it to task to either take a product from somewhere in the world that is not known and globalizing it, or a product that has also gone the way of basically being dead or on the verge of death, and you're going to march into a competitor and demand they make it. So either what international sensation are you making, or what dad product are you competitor reviving with? It was a pencil sharpener made in India by a company called, I apologize for this, Cum, K-U-M, that is super cheap and really good. It's not the one that makes it internationally because it costs about two cents if you buy it retail. <laughs> it is it is an amazing, if you, only, if you only have one sharpener for your one pencil, the Cum Pencil sharpener is the way to go. I would like, I would like every desk to have a little cum on it. God, I wish we were together right now. We could fucking <laughs> high five over that joke. Uh, and I love that, you know, given the whole world, you went back to pencils. I think that says freaking everything about you, you wonderful brain. Uh, so you have created a beautiful landing page just for us, which is rethinkcentral.com slash sell on social. And that has all kinds of great wonders on it. But Liz, what are the other ways or what is your preferred way for listeners to come into your world? Um, Well, find me on Instagram. I have two brands. So Rethink Central is my main brand, which is very sensible strategy and ridiculous pictures of um, buildings I like. And then I'm launching a new brand um, called Evil Coach. So if you would uh, care to follow that and say yes, I know, cheap innuendo, fabulous strategy. So if you find me on Instagram with that, it's called Obey Evil Coach. Uh, <laughs> that's magnificent. And if you start an evil coach podcast, can I please be on it? I would love Obviously. to let my bastard side out just a little. <laughs> oh, Liz, this has been an absolute treat. And I got to get into pencils. Like, I'm a Sharpie girl. I am converted. All right. So my homework, everybody, is pencils and masterminds. But I got to talk to Liz about what y'all's homework is. Liz Scully, thank you so freaking much for being here today. This has been an absolute delight. Thank you so much for having me. Everybody, I will be back in just a second with my final thoughts and your homework for this week. Well, hey there, listeners. You know what drives me absolutely bonkers? When people tone down their specialness, that absolute brilliance and gobsmacking importance of the products of their own freaking brains. And to be honest, what makes me even crankier on top of all of this is to know that I do it too. Why? Because none of us, none of us, and certainly not me, want to be perceived as having the biggest head, the darkest heart, or the greediest hands. 
You know, none of us are sitting here like, yes, yes, come and fan me with palm fronds. It is I, your savior, the great entrepreneur. Yeah, no thanks. So instead, we swing way wide. And what we do is we treat our work, even our best work, like it's on the exceptional side of standard. Enough to compete, but still too safe to fail. So this week, I ask you to lean into and not away from the fact that you are the human equivalent of a limited edition collector's item pencil going for nutso prices on eBay. There is simply no replacement for you. If you left the market, they would march into your competitors demanding an all new you only to be let down. Once you acknowledge this, then your homework is to allow yourself to honor your own delightful rarity by getting extra in your own way. So here's a couple ideas. Replace the boring stock images on your websites with ones of you having a blast. Change your art to one that lights you up. Jazz up your colors to your own favorite preferences. Wake yourself up with your copywriting. If you're bored, they're bored. Replace all lackluster adjectives and wishy-washy verbs. Commit. Change up your look. Challenge yourself to wear something other than sweats this week. Whatever. Just get some magic flowing. Maybe it's not going to be a wax-sealed test tube with a scroll inside, but your brilliance demands better housing. How can you present yourself in a manner worthy of your fabulousness this week? And for bonus points, how can you have a lot of fun in the process? Hey, thanks for listening. Too Legitimate to Quit is brought to you by the Non-Sleazy Sales Academy and me, your host, Annie P. Ruggles. Listen, we talk a lot about marketing on this show, and that's because I fully, earnestly believe that every dime and every moment we spend marketing is totally worth it unless we turn around and sabotage ourselves at the finish by refusing to sell and sell beautifully. Why? A lot of us have a misconception of what selling actually requires of us or who it needs us to be. Please give me the opportunity to help change your mind at www.nonsleazy.com. That's N-O-N-S-L-E-A-Z-Y.com. Big shout out to the fabulous dudes who helped make this show what it is. My producer and editor, Andrew Sims of Hypable Impact. My composer, Riley Herbastio and my show artist, Francois Vigneault. They're all fabulous, and I'd be glad to introduce you. Until next week, just do your best, and remember, you're too legitimate to quit.